Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Eagle, and I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A group at Steichman Elliott. I'm very excited about today's podcast because we're celebrating the 100th episode. Never imagined when we started the podcast two and a half years ago that we would reach 100, but here we are. My thesis for the podcast was always the fact that there are many people working in the middle market in Canada who are the unsung heroes of M&A, and we often don't hear about them, but they're the ones doing the most deals. I think the podcast success is a reflection of the fact that we've been laser focused on ensuring that those middle market stories get told. And so thank you to all our guests. Thank you to all our listeners. We really appreciate all your support and we'll continue to tell the great stories of our Canadian middle market. So for today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Josh Axler. Josh is a principal with Flow Capital. Josh, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thanks, Mario. It's great to be here today. Josh, we always uh, start our podcast by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, a bit about their history, and uh, a little bit about your work in, uh, in Flow Capital. So start there. Yeah, pleasure. So my name is Josh Axler. I'm the principal at Flow Capital. My responsibilities are deal origination, meeting with prospective borrowers, and also funding partners and potential deal sources, such as venture capital firms and deal brokers. My background, I started my career in sales before pivoting into finance through my MBA. And prior to two and a half years at Flow Capital, I was at a traditional bank, uh, CIBC, and another non-bank lender as well. So lots of experience in private credit, but also now very using my sales experience for front of funnel stuff. So Flow Capital, we are a uh, alternative finance firm based here in Canada. We're a little bit different in that we're actually a publicly traded firm. So unlike other funds, we have a perpetual greenfield opportunity to invest in businesses. And we are looking for high growth companies that have a proven track record of revenue and high growth. So we have a very simple investment criteria. We're looking for companies generating either two and a half million of recurring revenue or 4 million of non-recurring revenue and that are growing 25% or more year over year. We're a little bit different from other venture debt firms in that we have a wide investment mandate. So we do both specialize in technology, specifically B2B SaaS, but we're willing and able to invest in lots of different types of businesses, whether that's marketplaces, e-commerce, more traditional product businesses, and tech-enabled services. What also differentiates us is we are business-focused, which means we can fund bootstrap companies. We don't require venture capital or private equity backing for us to get involved. And when we do partner with venture capital-backed firms, we don't necessarily require additional capital to come in alongside of us. So we see a real opportunity to partner with growth companies in this challenging environment and also when things are a little bit more favorable for growth companies as well. Josh, your space is going through so much turmoil, change, whatever, how you want to call it, because obviously with the interest rates having gone up and, you know, banks have been pulling back, particularly in the U.S., I don't want to say this is a random moment for you, but I got to believe the opportunities you're seeing out there are attractive and you're just, there's a lot of flow and flow is, you know, fitting a unique space where it really is in demand. But you tell me in terms of what you're seeing out there and what's on the ground and what you're what you're working on. Yeah, the market conditions have created opportunities and challenges for us. Fortunately, I'd say more opportunities on, on both sides of the capital stack. So from traditional banking, certainly, as you mentioned, rates have gone up and that makes our offering more attractive, or at least on comparable pure cost to capital business. We're never going to compete with a bank if a company that we're working with has the ability to get bank financing. But rates have come up and we have not raised our rates 
at, at the same rate that the banks have, because there's only so much headline interest rate that a company can swallow, even with venture debt being you know higher than what you would see from a bank traditionally. But they also have tightened their credit policies. So we still are higher up the risk curve and we're willing to work with companies that maybe aren't growing at the same pace that they thought they were going to be. And they still have the challenges that banks don't like. They don't necessarily have three years of operating history. They may or may not be profitable yet. They may have some ups and downs in terms of their growth rate and their months. So we have the ability to be a little bit more flexible than a bank. And then on the other side of the cap, they'll stack, you know, the cost of equity has just gone up substantially, whether that's from pure valuations or from structuring and the upside and exit opportunities for companies seem to be lessening right now as end market exits, such as the IPO market or even larger scale M&A transactions, valuations have come down. So what we are offering is companies the ability to get the growth capital they need to get themselves to cash positive so that they can be in control of their own destiny and they don't necessarily need to go out and raise more equity in the future. Josh, you know, what I always find interesting about your offering is it's flexible. The minimums are pretty low. Like I know you guys will do even like a million. So it's really got a lot of room uh, to be creative to fit a solution. And tell us a little bit about what's behind that. I mean, what are you trying to go at with the creativity and the flexibility? Because I think that's what makes you guys unique is you said it yourself, which is that ability to respond to different situations and, and meet a need quickly. There's just not a lot of capital options available for the size companies that we work with in the market. They were typically working with companies in kind of the two and a half to 10 million of revenue and their capital needs in the one to $5 million range. There seems to be smaller grants around and available for you know that kind of 50, 100,000. And then certainly when you get into the 10 million total capital and you have the ability to qualify for that type of capital is available. So being flexible and being able to look at different business structures gives us a real opportunity in the market. And what we've found is at two and a half million in revenue, that's where we really feel the company can demonstrate a product market fit. And they typically have a pretty strong go-to-market strategy, which is backed by metrics from, you know, if they are a subscription-based business, they have good retention. They can tell us how effective they are on their marketing spend or how efficient their sales team is, at which point we can say, okay, if you know that you're going to get a two, three, four time return on those investment dollars, well, then our type of financing can be really efficient for you from a cost of capital perspective. Josh, when you look at the market, you said it earlier, like this space has had really a lack of critical mass in terms of financing companies at this stage of growth or we're looking to really take it to another level. Who are the competitors out there? It's not really the banks. I mean, A, even in the good times, uh, and maybe this is a good times versus now, but I would expect that even in the good times, they were not really doing this kind of financing that had a hard time getting their head around it. I would have thought maybe the alternative lenders in the States were probably your biggest competitor, but I know they've pulled back a lot in the last year or two because of the interest rate hike. Is there a competitor who is out there competing, uh, which maybe is a sign of the, the lack of the capital for this space, uh, is that there probably aren't many. But I, I want to get your perspective on the landscape in terms of who are you out there uh, competing against for this product? Yeah, that's a great question. We always hate this answer that we don't have competitors. So I won't say that we don't <laughs> have competitors because <laughs> if the business needs money, they're going to find a way. They're going to find a way to get it. So it's it's really understanding the the options and availability and what the, you know, if we bucket it within wide range of bank financing all the way on the cost of capital spared to just pure equity, there are lots of options in between for companies. So a lot of it is having education of what's out there and and really understanding where they're at in terms of their business cycle to be available for those types of financing options. So, you know, in the venture, if you narrow that lens to a company that would need venture debt, 
the spectrum would be the Silicon Valley Bank, CIBC's Innovation Banking Group here in Canada. Those structures are typically looking for venture debt on the back of an equity round. Not always exclusively, but in many cases, that is the options available and companies have the ability to extend their runway and get better banking services by partnering with a banks in combination with their VCs. When you look at companies that are earlier stage than us, there has been a lot of revenue-based financing opportunities in the market. Of course, you know, there's a lot of hype around Clearco in, over the last few years, and, and that was more focused on e-commerce. And then you get into companies like us who do things that are a little bit different. We see our products and services differentiated from those two in a couple different ways. Firstly, as I mentioned before, we don't require the VCs. So for companies that are very cautious about giving up any of their equity and not just their equity, but also control, maybe they don't want to raise money from a VC and want to have to go to a bank. So we allow, we don't give up board seats in order to partner with us. We don't take any type of strategic control over the business. You know, we certainly have our credit agreement, but other than that, the owners and operators are free to run the business as, as I please. And then on the revenue-based finance side, the, you know, the benefit of those is they're typically quick to fund. They're pretty easy processes, but they have challenges in that they're typically highly high amortization. So it's hard to get a good return on those dollars because you have to worry about paying those back. So our structure is typically two or three years of interest only, which means the companies can redeploy their cash flow into growing their business rather than worrying about paying us back in the short term. And the types of companies that we're backing, because they have that minimum 25% growth rate, we feel confident that they are going to get a good return on that and we get de-risked by them growing. So kind of a broad answer there, but there are options. You just got to know where to look. And we feel that if a company is well-suited for our offering, we are a very good and compelling offering. Josh, a few years ago, the marketplace was saturated with venture capital. And that was arguably probably your biggest competitor in terms of just sheer volume and sheer, I would expect, just sheer mass. There was just so much of it. When you look at the marketplace right now, I mean, we hear that venture capital really pulled back. But do you see it on the ground? Are you seeing people who are coming to you now? Because frankly, it's not even anymore about whether it's venture capital or you. They can't even get venture capital. So now your attractiveness is, is increased just because... You know, the options just aren't there anymore. There were like two years ago, it was a wild west. You know, now it's just not around. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. I mean, in the Q2 of 21, when things were really hot, kind of when I started here at Flow, I remember we lost a deal to a company that was raising money at 20 times board revenue. And we said, great, take that money. <laughs> you know, what we're seeing now in the market, there's still opportunistic venture capital funds out there. There's yeah, obviously there's a lot of money flowing into AI. What we're seeing is the companies that are, you know, they're not growing over 100%. Their gross retention is less than 100% and their net retention is not in the 120s. Unless you're top decile, you're, you're really going to struggle. And depending on what type of operating leverage you have and meaning how much you're burning at the moment and how far away you are from profitability, you could be losing uh, negotiating chips. So it is a challenging market. We've seen valuations come down quite a bit in terms of companies when they come to us to say, yeah, we still have equity term sheets on the table, but, you know, it's at a much lower valuation than what we're hoping for. And, and then there's also, you know, different terms that we're seeing from some of the VCs in the market in terms of preferred structures and participating liquidation preferences. So a lot of the companies we work with right now, the big focus is what is your break-even point from a revenue perspective, assuming that you don't change your cost structure? And how much capital do you need to do so, assuming that you grow at the right space, 
And ideally, you know, we feel comfortable providing that capital, giving them the runway to get to cash positive so that they're in control of their own destiny. But yeah, it's giving us a lot of opportunities. So we're thankful for that. Uh, on the flip side, though, we don't have necessarily VCs to come and bail out companies out. We have to feel very comfortable about the company's ability to get to cash positive. Most of the companies that we're working with are, you know, they could be 12, 18, 24 months away from it. So a lot can change the economic climate right now. It's challenging as well. So like I said, opportunities and threats for us too. Josh, are there any, I mean, obviously it's more of the tech sector, but is there any elements of tech that you find are really attractive now in this marketplace? You know, any sub-elements, sub-industries, is anything at all in terms of your portfolio where you'd say, we really like the space, we see it as attractive just by the nature of the opportunity in front of you? Yeah. So, I mean, given that where we are with the companies in terms of their life cycle, we're typically a little bit behind the hottest trend. So, you know, when crypto was super hot, we were very hesitant to jump into it just because we didn't know so much about it. When we think about AI right now, we're excited about AI but not necessarily looking to fund the next algorithm or the next big thing in AI. We're looking for companies that have a proven product or opportunity to leverage AI. So we have a company in our portfolio right now that has a massive data set and they're looking to leverage ChatGBT in order to access that data and make it applicable for their customer base. So those are some of the things we're excited. And then we look for things that are a really core operating vertical market SaaS, if we can get it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be SaaS, but we really want to see that the products and services that our borrowers are offering to their customers are deeply ingrained so that, you know, if they're more discretionary type services, that obviously they're, those are the ones that are going to be at risk in this current economic climate. Josh, I always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about where they think this market is going. And obviously from where you sit, it's particularly interesting because you're obviously seeing companies trying to grow. And obviously taking bets uh, and you are helping people try to get to that next level in an environment where things are a bit softer and interest rates higher, you know, risk is a little bit greater. So when are your perspective of where you see the market going, what you're seeing on the ground, opportunities, challenges? You know, our viewpoint is we're hopefully at the top end of interest rates, but we don't see them coming down anytime soon. So we're likely in a higher interest rate environment for the next little while. It's going to be a challenging market for the foreseeable future, but that doesn't mean there aren't opportunities. A lot of great companies came out of the 2008 financial crisis. There's going to be opportunities for companies to just be more capital efficient when they don't have access to capital. And those are the companies that we are looking for. And then when we think about the companies that we back, we're looking for sophistication in terms of their forecasting and planning. We're looking for companies that are aligned with us in this feeling that the, if the market's not going to be rewarding growth at all costs, how do you shift to a focus on profitability while still taking advantage of the opportunities that are out there because there's still buying decisions happening? You know, sales cycles may take a little bit longer. So plan appropriately for that. Maybe put a little bit more cash on your balance sheet than you were hoping to. Don't run it so tight on your budgeting. But as long as companies are seeing activity in their pipeline or they're seeing, you know, deals close or seeing upsell with their existing portfolio and the ability to find more wins, even if things are taking longer, there's still good companies out there that we're looking to back. Are you seeing more insolvencies that stress? Is that whether it's part of the portfolio or just opportunities there? Are you seeing in these type of companies more of that? You know, we've spent a lot of time in our diligence efforts, understanding what the downside risk is for these companies and how they'd be able to pivot and react when growth doesn't materialize in the way that they hope for. What we are seeing 
in the market quite a bit are companies that had done a series A or a series B and they were expecting to do a series B or C in 2023 or 24. And they had made the investment in ramping their team and had raised money at high valuations and they maybe had leveraged some debt on top of that. And with the market not there, they're finding that it's very difficult to kind of pivot away from the path that they were on before. So certainly there's some distressed opportunities in the market. We haven't gone down that path because, you know, we are asset light lenders. So we really try to focus on growth opportunities versus distressed. Josh, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been super interesting having you. And obviously this part of the market, I find doesn't get enough voices heard. So it's great to have your perspective. Thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to close by saying to any of your listeners, you know, we're very active in Canada, the US and the UK. We feel that we have a very differentiated product and we'd love to speak to anyone who thinks that they could be a fit for us. You can find me on LinkedIn or our website. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.